Well, good morning. I don't know that I'm tall enough for this pulpit. My name's Jason Little. Thanks for the uh, intro, John. Um, it's great to be with you guys this morning. I realized as I looked at my notes in the in these lights this morning that it's been a while since I preached because the font that I used to be able to see easily, I actually think I might have to use my glasses this morning. I've never had to do this before. Um, so uh, our family moved to Virginia in 2018 to start working with RUF, and it's been a privilege to watch you guys from afar, this church, as you all love on RUF staff and college students and in Lexington. So it's a real privilege to be here with you this morning. Thanks for welcoming me and my family, my wife and my, my daughters are here with me this morning as well. Um, I'm actually going to read a little bit more of the book of Revelation than what's printed in your bulletin. You should be fine if you just want to read along in your bulletin, but if you want to go ahead and open your Bible to actually look at, at the text in the scriptures, if you have them, Revelation's the last book in the scriptures. So it's, it's, at, the, it's at the very end. And we're going to go, I'm going to read, when I do read, I'm going to read all the way through verse 21, not just through 18. John pointed out in, back in the study, Pearson, that um, I was ending with death in Hades. So I thought I'd read a few extra verses just so we could uh, move beyond that. So Justin, a couple months ago, asked if I'd come up and, and help preach while he was out of town. And, and the original plan was that I was going to get to uh, preach in, in schedule with the Gospel of John, which I understand you guys are going through this winter, the Gospel of John, one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. Um, but something happened with the schedule and the holidays, and he called me and he said, you've got to preach on something else. So I was like, well, what can I preach on that, that meshes with what y'all are doing normally? So I'm not just a stranger showing up preaching on a, a random passage. So... John wrote the gospel that y'all are looking at for the rest of the winter, but he also received this vision that we call the Revelation. John was a first century eyewitness to Jesus' life and ministry. In fact, John was one of Jesus' closest friends and companions. Um, he is called the beloved disciple. Other than maybe the mother of Jesus, Mary, there is no human being that was closer to Jesus when he walked this earth, than John. This is the guy that leaned back against Jesus' chest at the Last Supper to have conversation as they shared a meal. This was one of Jesus' closest friends. And, and I think that this vision, Revelation, is particularly powerful because of the intimacy that John had with Jesus. And I want you to remember that intimacy as we read it, because oftentimes... This book is scary to Christians. I don't know. I don't, have, have any of y'all read Revelation before? Yeah, some of you, good. Who's intimidated by Revelation? Yeah. John, when I walked in the office, said, you're the guest preacher and you're preaching on Revelation. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's an interesting choice. Um, I think that it's easy for this book to be intimidating to us. But if you consider how much Jesus particularly loved his friend John. It's helpful to remember that like this is Jesus' old friend John's dying days. And this is what Jesus gives his best friend of himself to see. And this is what he gives us, who he also loves, to see and believe and hear and remember. John wrote these words to be read out loud and to heard in a to be heard in a place just like this. This is like a bellows 
that blows air on the fire of our imaginations so that we have new light to see the face of Jesus. These images are kind of, uh, are meant to fire the imagination and tumble around in our hearts and brains like a, a load of laundry in the, in the dryer. It's not a jigsaw puzzle to be figured out. This is not a jigsaw puzzle to be figured out what's going to happen in the future. Instead, they are words of comfort for Jesus' friends in the midst of trial and suffering. Anybody feel like that? Anybody ever feel alone, forgotten, irrelevant to what God is doing in the world? These are words of comfort for you. These are words of comfort for me. And I figure as we enter a new year, 2022, all of us could use a new vision of gospel comfort and gospel confidence. And that's what this word from God wants to give us this morning. So let me read or pray, and then I'll read it to us together. Father, I pray that your word would come not in sound only, but that it would come full of the Holy Spirit, full of conviction, and with great power, that all of us might see Jesus' face with new clarity, new hope, and new love. We ask this in his name. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll skip down to verse 9. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, the one who wrote the gospel, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and blessed are those who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Skipping down to verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, in the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos, on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in the book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Those are real places, by the way. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle, or in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a gold sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were like wool, as white as snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But... He laid his hand on me, saying, fear not, fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. 
This is the word of God. Look at verse three. We'll just start there. This is the only portion of scripture that begins and also the book of Revelation ends with an explicit promise of blessing for reading, hearing, and keeping these words. So, I mean, we, we could end right here, right? Like, we've read it, we've heard it. Now all you need to do is keep it. There's a promised blessing that we just read. Your life is gonna be changed because you heard these, these words. Um, but we'll take a little bit more time to look at this. Here's where we're gonna go. First, we're gonna see where John stood, and then we're gonna consider what John saw. Verses nine through 11, where John stood, and then verses 12 through 21, what John saw. So let's start with where John stood. Jesus' best friend, Jesus the beloved disciple, his life did not have a glorious ending. It did not end easy and it did not end momentously. He was an old man exiled on a small island off the coast of what is today present day Turkey. And you can imagine what a crucible of faith and confidence this must have been for this man who literally lived and walked and talked and ate and drank with Jesus while he walked on the earth. He was called and appointed by the resurrected Jesus after he'd come out of the grave to be one of the preeminent leaders of the first century church. And here he is ending his career abandoned apparently useless and irrelevant, and alone on a strange island where nothing was familiar or known. He was sidelined. He was a victim of powers beyond his control. He was taken somewhere he did not want to go. And I think it is absolutely fascinating the way Jesus chooses to encourage his friend. How would you expect for Jesus to show up on this island to his exiled friend to remind him that he is not alone and that he's still loved and that his life still has purpose. If I was Jesus, I think I would probably show up on Patmos and like pull out the gospel photo album and show John like, hey, remember when we sat on the shore and we ate fish together? Remember when I cast out the demon? Remember when you preached that amazing sermon and healed those people after I sent you out and you could like rehearse all of these like real things that happened. Like that would be encouraging that you weren't alone and that you weren't forgotten. But instead what Jesus does is he gives them this vision of himself in his glory. He shows him the revelation which can look scary and intimidating if you try to figure it out like a jigsaw puzzle. Or you can let these images of Jesus' victory and power and glory and holiness wash over your heart and mind so that you see yourself and you see the world with new eyes and new light. Jesus went to John in a moment of desperation, in a moment of loneliness, in a moment where he felt useless and forgotten in order to give him comfort and courage so that he wouldn't lose sight of what was true and real. What is it that you expect or demand from Jesus in order to feel loved and remembered by him? What is it that you demand or expect from Jesus in order to feel remembered and loved by your Savior? That's a hard question, isn't it? 
If you look underneath your most persistent emotions, whether it's anger or worry or joy or sorrow, you can probably start to discover what those expectations are of Jesus in order for you to feel loved and remembered. Jesus knew that John needed to be reminded that he was loved and remembered, that he was still useful as part of God's family. And this is what Jesus gave to John. This is what he gives to us. And he promises to bless us if we hear these words, if we see this Jesus, if we keep it in our hearts and in our minds. Look at verse 9. It's helpful to hear how John describes his life because John's life circumstance, where he sat, where he stood, is very similar to where we sit and where we stand today, even though we feel very far away from where John was on Patmos. Look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner. You see, John sees himself connected with us. He's writing this letter to you and to me, and he sees himself as our brother in Christ, as our partner in ministry. And look at how he describes this life that we share in Christ. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus on account of the word of God and the testimony to our Lord Jesus. Where John stood on that exile island is where we live today, spiritually. We share spiritual geography. Jesus, or John sees himself as partners with us in the ministry that we share as representatives of Jesus and his word. Um, we are partners with John. John sees himself with us in the same moment of history. If, if you think about how, um, how you understand where you live, John looks back and holds on to Jesus' first coming, and he looks forward and holds on to Jesus' second coming, and he situates himself, he orients himself in between those two events, Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And he's asking us to do the same thing. Here, here's what I'm trying to say. Let me try to make it simple. Jesus is just as near to us. He is just as much at work through us as he was through the, God, um, the apostle John on this island as he received this vision. Jesus is just as near you, near you in Lexington as he was near John as he stood on the island of Patmos. Jesus intends to use your life of faith in the same way that he intended to use John's life of faith. Is that surprising to you? John, who wrote the scripture, John, who was an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus, he says you are a brother and partner with him. Doesn't that change the way you see your life? As you head into the new year, as you head back to school, as you head to your job, as you take care of your home, as you love your neighbor, you are a partner with John in proclaiming the victory of Jesus over sin and death. You are just as much a part of what God is doing in the world as the man who wrote the scripture that we read this morning. Jesus is just as near you and involved in your daily life as he was with John as he showed up to him on this island. Do you ever feel disoriented? Do you ever feel alone, irrelevant to the purposes of God in the world? 
I think in the last two years of pandemic, all of the cultural instability and political drama that we've had to navigate or watch, it's become even easier to become disoriented, hasn't it? Like a lot, of, a lot of the little anchors that we kind of hold on to to orient our life, to make sense of who we are and what our purpose is, they feel like they've moved or they've gone away. It's easy to feel alone. It's easy to feel like I'm not sure what my life is about where or where I'm headed, adrift. But don't you think John felt the same way? As he was exiled on this island that he'd never been to, don't you think it was easy for him to feel disoriented, alone, forgotten. But he knows that that is not true. He knows that he is sharing in the tribulation that comes from being a minister of God's word, from being a follower of Jesus. That is, he is part of God's victory over sin and death. He is part of the story of how God is bringing new life to the world that stands in need of a savior. He is, he is a partner in the tribulation in the kingdom. He's part of God's rule and reign. He's connected to Jesus who holds heaven and earth in his hand. And rules over all heaven and earth. This is where John lived. A partner in the tribulation and kingdom. He's sharing the cross but he's also sharing the victory of the resurrection. And it calls for patient endurance. In other words... He knows things are true that he can't see. He has to rely on things that are true that can only be known by faith. So let me ask the question again. What do you expect or demand from Jesus so that you can feel loved and remembered by him? I don't, I don't know if it feels fair to compare us to John. Like, I made that comparison earlier, but when I make that, I'm, I'm you know, does that feel fair? Do, does our life feel as significant as the one who wrote a book of the Bible in the plan of God? I mean, John wasn't just on the front row of Jesus' life. He was on the stage with Jesus, right? Like, this is, he literally, like, held hands with the Lord. This was his closest friend, could it be true that our life, our ordinary Christian life, is important to what God, as important to what God is doing in the world today as John's was and is? I think it's easy for us to feel kind of like complacent or bored about being followers of Jesus. We kind of lock Jesus in the closet and pull him out in the midst of acute suffering or moments where we feel like our moral failures are bad, um, so bad that we actually need help. Um, it's easy to feel lethargic about what God is doing in the church or in our lives individually. It is easy to feel like exiles spiritually, alone, useless, without aim and purpose. And what this book does is by the living word of God, it invites us to see ourselves, to see our daily life of faith, and to see our Savior differently. What is keeping you from hearing and seeing your life as part of the same story that we see unfolding here as John reminds us who Jesus is?
you are a partner with this follower of Jesus, John, in the cross and resurrection of Jesus that is saving a lost world. Revelation speaks to us so that we can see. Blessed is the one who hears these words. Blessed is the one who keeps them because they give us new sight. You and I can't muster up the spiritual courage to see ourselves in the world differently. But the living word of God can give you new light to know yourself differently and to see the faithfulness of your resurrected Savior at work in the world. These words can give you new ears and new eyes. A good friend of mine in Portland when we were church planting there um, was a winemaker. And do y'all ever read the labels on a bottle of wine, the flavor description? And it describes all of these flavors that you're supposed to taste. And, and then you take a sip and you're like, it, it's like fancy grape juice. <laughs> I, I don't taste all of that. Well, on several occasions, I would sit down to have a glass of wine with my winemaker friend Ben. And he had this amazing palate that could see the flavors. And when I had a glass of wine with Ben... He, could, he knew the earth where those grapes grew, and he knew the weather that was part of that story, and he knew the barrel that the wine was aging, and he could describe the flavors to me. And as I listened to Ben's words and took a sip of that wine, I, it, was, it was different. Like, I could taste vanilla and sunshine at the seacoast, you know, or whatever it was that he told me I was supposed to to taste that I'd never experienced before. And, and that's what the revelation does for us. As you see the, as you listen to these words, it causes you to see your life differently. You're not just Jason Little struggling to live by faith in Roanoke, Virginia, wondering what God is doing. I'm connected to the crucified and resurrected Savior who's bringing light into the darkness of a sin-broken world. God is at work in my life to do things that will glorify the name of Jesus when he comes again and we see him in the sky. And the same is true of you if you were a follower of Jesus. Every follower of Jesus, no matter how young, how weak, how small, how apparently irrelevant, is a partner in the tribulation and kingdom by which Jesus is bringing salvation and his glory to the very ends of the earth. We stand with John in solidarity with Jesus. Well, let's look at what he saw. And I want to read the verses again. Um, I want to look, turn our eyes from where we stand to look at Jesus. Let's look and see what John saw when he turned around after hearing that voice. Look again at verse 11. I'm going to read the words again. He told John to write what he saw. And in verse 12, John turns and he sees the voice that was speaking to me. Try to enter into this with your imagination. Try to see it in your heart. On turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice 
was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is what John saw, and it is absolutely amazing. He turned and he saw the man that he knew, Jesus, his friend and his savior, but he saw him in a new way. He turned to see the voice and he saw the king of heaven and earth, his face shining as bright as the noonday sun, yet he could look at it and be comforted. He saw a king, priest, attired in a robe that reflected his glory. His feet were shining like burning bronze. His, a sword coming from his mouth, the sword of truth. Live a living Jesus, a living and victorious Savior who had fully defeated sin and death. He had the most terrifying, uncontrollable thing in the world, death and Hades, in his hand, like his car keys. No big deal. This is what John saw as he stood on the shore of this little island, Patmos. Glory of the resurrected Jesus. But he saw more than that, because where was Jesus? Where was this glorious Jesus? Standing in the middle of the lampstands. The lampstands which were a symbol of God's people, God's family, God's churches. Literal churches in Asia Minor. Symbolically depicted with these seven shining lampstands reflecting the glory of the resurrected Savior. And Jesus wasn't far off in heaven. He was standing in the middle of his brothers and sisters. He was among the saints. He was with them. He was near. John saw that he wasn't forgotten. He wasn't irrelevant. His life was not without use. Why? Because the resurrected Jesus was right there with him. The resurrected one was standing among the lamps. In the middle of his people. With us. With all his power and glory and wisdom and life. And the same is true for us this morning. Jesus sees us. Jesus knows you. Jesus tends to you. This resurrected Jesus is not far off. He is with us. With his face shining with glory. With his victory obvious and apparent. With nothing standing that could threaten us. He holds the very keys of death and Hades in his hand. This is a powerful vision. We need to know that this Jesus is for us. He is not far off. Our life is not in exile. It's lived around the resurrected one. Who leads us into this world. To proclaim the glory of what he's done. Jesus. This vision gives us. So much more than the humble carpenter rabbi who bore our sins on the cross. I mean, that is true. That is always true. 
But this vision of Jesus is true also. He is the ancient of days. He is God himself. He rules heaven and earth. And I want you to see, look what he does in verse 17. When John sees this, he falls down at his feet as though dead. Silence. You can, you can probably feel that John in this moment is hoping that he can stop breathing and just not even be noticed because it is so overwhelming, the holiness of his friend that he's seen. But what is it that Jesus does? The ancient of days, the first and the last, the one that's conquered death, look what he does. With the hand that holds heaven and earth, he puts that hand on John's shoulder and raises him up to look at his face, to be comforted and to be assured. Can you imagine what that moment felt like for John? The living, resurrected Lord taking his hand and placing it upon his shoulder and inviting him to look up into his face to know that he is known, loved, and protected forever. That he's guided and shepherded by this one who's conquered death. Jesus' compassion and gentleness never forgets us. You see, what's astounding to me is not so much what John saw of Jesus in this moment and what we're invited to see, but that we see Jesus seeing us. You see the resurrected one and he sees you. And he reaches down by his Holy Spirit and by this living word and he puts his hand on your heart and he invites you to look up and remember and know that you are loved and that your life in him is glorious. Can you see it? We are not alone. We are not without use. We are not without significance in Jesus. It's amazing to me that John needed this vision. I mean, he saw everything Jesus did to save us. He stood at the foot of the cross. He ran to the empty tomb. He ate fish with the resurrected Jesus by the shore of the sea. But to persevere in faith, John needed to see this. How much more? How much more do you and I need to see and hear this vision and keep these words and hold on to these truths as we walk out to follow Jesus this week? Hold on to this majestic, mind-bending vision of Jesus' divine glory so that you can have new eyes to see how much Jesus loves you. What do you expect and demand from Jesus so that you can feel loved and remember that you are included by him? He's given us these words. He's given us these words to hear. He's given us these words to keep. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear. Blessed are those who keep what is written because the time of Jesus' return is near. He is not far off. His glory is not far away. His victory is near.
And in Revelation 20, it says, He who testifies to these things, Jesus says, Surely I am coming soon. Your patient endurance is almost over. Soon you will see his face. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Father, would you help us by your Spirit to hold on to the words of Jesus, your Son, so that our lives can be transformed, so that our hearts can be comforted, so that our faith can be fueled to see you, to know that we are loved, and to walk in such a way um, that we speed your coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray in your name. Amen.